When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Oh, welcome back. Saturdays in the Gong, live from Wollongong Golf Club with thanks to the new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today, as well as Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. Tell you what, that might even be the big impact moment, just having that song. That's a throwback to the 1997 Super League season. As an, well, not quite an NRL theme song, it was the precursor to bringing the NRL into action. I guess it was, well, that was the most dramatic and uh, infamous period in rugby league history, Mitch. Indeed. Like I said, I was, I was eight, eight, seven or eight. So at mm. the time, that was the theme. So as we were saying before, that doesn't even really register me. I can't even recall that one. Obviously, the wedge between, I guess, the tub thumping and the and the Tina Turner. So it's gone for that. I always say, as a journo, Baz, is what I would love to have been a part of that time. I know we yep. both love our jobs in the era we're in now, but that's, I always feel I'm a, I'm, I just miss what would have been, you know, my dream era of journal. And being a journal at that time, the stories so many of our colleagues that we speak to have about that time, yeah. what a time it would have been to be working in uh, in rugby league well, media. I mean, the, the king of Windang, Steve Mascord, uh, he was... Uh, Journo at the time, you know, he's written the book Two Tribes yeah. based on the recollections of the Super League uh, from both sides. It's a fantastic read. I absolutely loved reading it. Um, I I was about 15 at the time and I remember when the, when, it, when the game was trying to heal and they were coming together, how the game would be pieced back together, how many teams we would have, who would potentially merge with who and how it was going to work, uh, let alone the politics that was going in, on in the background. And I remember as that 15-year-old sitting down, I used to have a notepad and you'd sit there and look at different combinations of teams about who could merge with who, how it could work, what teams could come in, whether you'd have a two-tiered system, uh, you know, some kind of promotion. Really, There was all of these weird and wild um, things Theories and and things just going on, so it was just such an extraordinary period. And at the end of it, St George Illawarra are the product of part of that. Uh, when St George became a joint venture with the Illawarra Steelers, obviously, we probably won't ever see the Steelers back in action. But uh, the Illawarra now does have probably more clout than they've ever had in terms of the joint venture, and and probably in their rugby league history, even though they're not the Steelers, because we have the high performance centre coming to Wollongong. Um, they are based down here in Wollongong anyway, so it's a big next step for St George Illawarra. The Anthony Griffin uh, period has come to an end already, so I guess the next question is, what's going to happen here with Jason Riles? We we looked at the start of the week, it looked like things were maybe falling apart. There was some reports in the Sydney Morning Herald that 
um, the agreement was sort of not going the way that Jason Rolls wanted in terms of uh, football department guarantees and the structure of the club. But by the end of the week, the reports were going back the other way that there was a lot of goodwill and that they were working through those issues and that it, it was sort of very likely even in the next week or two that it might happen. Now, I've always been of the understanding that he was not only the hot favourite, but there was there was a lot of goodwill and that they were working towards um, a reasonable agreement, which seems to be getting closer. Where do you see that? Yeah, it is. It sort of went a bit quiet, didn't it? But I think that that's just what happens when you're working out the finer details of something. So I still think it's it's, it's red hot. It was, I think a lot of it, probably why it's gone a little bit quiet, is probably negotiating uh, Rosie's exit from the Roosters. Initially, it was going to be, you know, he'd see out the year and then start in, a, in the same way Craig Fitzgibbon probably did before he took on the, the Sharks role. But it seems that's shifting. The Roosters seem to want to uh, put a line in the sand in, in that regard because I've had some, some dramas there. Obviously, Adam O'Brien before that. So I think that could be factoring into it. But interesting to hear he could come on board uh, this year, but Ryan Carr uh, will see out the year as interim coach, which to me is smart. A lot of people would say if he's going to be the coach, why wouldn't you throw him in right now? I think this is a rebuild scenario. Uh, I think the job should be the rebuild uh, as far as, as Jason Rolls is concerned as far as he goes into that role for they're talking five years I think it's more about the checks and balances on that I think there's acknowledgement from all parties that this needs to be a long term appointment and a long term role with a long term mandate yep. so I think they're probably but that's a that deal can be fraught with all sorts of dramas we saw that you know with Anthony Seabold in Brisbane I think we could probably call all the clauses that get inserted in these these deals these five year deals the Seabold clauses the Seabold clause I think so mm. I think there's probably just a lot yep. of details to be nutted out, and it's why it's, it's sort of gone a little bit quiet as you, you work through the, the fine print. But, uh, yeah, I still think odds on. And as you said, the the, the vet joint venture and Illawarra the clout and everything else, well, here we have one of uh, one of Wollongong's finest products, uh, you know, in line to, to coach the club. Do, do the Roosters have any right to put Jason Rolls in the deep freeze this year? I mean... I understand the situation. They've had their fingers burned in terms of the Adam O'Brien situation and what happened before. And I know the way they operate as a club with Nick Politis as a power broker, but, I mean, they're not the only club where an assistant leaves to go and get another job. It happens often enough. Now, I know there's pressure on the Roosters this year. They're struggling. They're not performing. They've had issues with Sam Walker and who's then been injured. So I know there's on-field issues there and that probably doesn't help with the role situation just hanging in the background. But do the Roosters have any right to be talking about Jason Rolls being an issue and not seeing out the rest of his contract when Rolls has given them pretty good service over the years? No, oh, mate, it's ridiculous. Uh, we, like you said, we don't hear any other club uh, we spoke to Chris Pongrass earlier and he spoke to the fact that they want to be an organisation that will help people that go through that organisation achieve the ultimate ambitions. Now, if you're a coach, that's becoming an NRL coach. We, we see clubs move, assistants become head coaches everywhere else. We never seem to hear this same noise, this yeah, same wind, absolutely. this same sort of, how dare you. Yeah. It, there's, a bit of, uh, there's a bit of arrogance in it for mine. Yeah. It's no, you're, we're such a good club that you know the assistant coach... Is higher that the role is on par. They're, being an assistant coach at the Roosters is on par with being an NRL head coach. It seems to be the way they view it in the at Roosters HQ anyway. So it is. I'm glad it's an interesting point you bring up, Baz, because I can't recall this happening anywhere else. Tip, look, typically most assistant uh, assistant coach deals are typically one year. There's not so all there's you know release clauses that say they can leave for an NRL job. But probably it was Craig Fitzgibbon's approach that perhaps made the Roosters 
this become the norm at the Roosters? Because if you remember correctly, he was determined to, to see out his deal as an assistant coach with the Roosters. He'd been there a long, long time. So I think it's a special case. It's a different case to a lot of people that would come in yeah. into assistant roles. But I think the fact that he was so uh, wedded to seeing out the final year of his deal there with the Roosters, it's come to be something which they seem to expect from other people that come into that role. So dare I say, like, to be devil's advocate or throw a bit of a curveball in there, the fact that they reportedly want to move roles on immediately, yeah. is it a hint of putting the queue in the rack on this year? Because they're struggling. Yes, they are absolutely, absolutely they are. battling. Yeah. Now, if they were hurtling, if they were in the top four and hurtling towards, you know, premiership contention, like a lot of people thought they would be, you know, at the start of the year, yep. we wouldn't have any of this discussion. We'd be saying, yep, that's great. We wish him all the best for next year, but we've got a premiership to win this year and he's a big part of that and here we go. But the fact that they're struggling, hmm. uh, to me, the fact that they're going this way, there's a hint of... Uh, you know, a concession in it, as far as I'm concerned from the Roosters. The, the weird thing is, they're only two points out of the eight. They've got the bye this week. So the wheels haven't totally fallen off in terms of this, the season. But their form is so awful that when we were talking the conversation about um, who wins the wooden spoon and whether it's going to be the Dragons this year, I mean, the Tigers, the Bulldogs, contenders, obviously. The Cowboys, their form's been awful, although they, they had a crack last night. And then you've got the Knights and the Roosters and the Titans below that. So I know the Roosters should never really be in that wooden spoon contention, but so bad has their form been that it's not beyond you know the realm of possibility that they'll be down there in that bottom three um, by, by the end of the season. Yeah, certainly not beyond the realm of possibility. I don't think it will occur. I just think there's too much class in that side. I think I still think they'll make the eight, to be honest. I think they'll they'll scrape in there towards the bottom once they get their personnel back. But, yeah, it's it's a situation. They're two clubs we did not expect. The Cowboys were my Smokies to win the comp hmm. coming into this year. They, yeah. you know, they were tipped to win the wooden spoon they last, were year. Got to last year. They were outstanding. Absolutely. They and were built on defence, too. That's yeah. the worry. When I watched that game last week against the Tigers, now, I know everything stuck for the Tigers, and you were just waiting... They, they had so much build-up tension for weeks and weeks after just being not competitive early on. You know, then they snagged a couple of wins after a couple of close losses. So I think they were building to a near-perfect performance like they delivered like that. But, you know, you just watch the Cowboys and there was just alarm bells ringing everywhere, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's if you want to talk about coaching scenarios and, and young coaches and you're trying to get the, the next young coach on the way up, the Cowboys probably thought, They'd found it there in Todd Payton, so hmm. there could be some pressure on him now and on the club in that regard, purely because he was under a mountain of pressure heading into last year, if you recall. A lot of people had him in the first coach sacked market just because of, you know, the rumblings of unrest, you know, in the playing group up there and yep. it sort of transformed them. They came in and had an outstanding year and he, he got signed on a, a very lucrative multi-year deal. And um, I don't, look, I think they showed enough last season and have shown, still showing enough quality this year to suggest they've got the right man for their job up there. But I just wonder if there's that little uh, little birdie on the shoulder going, oh, did we, did we jump the gun here on this one? Because, uh, I mean, if you start to get another season like this one next year, hmm. uh, it starts to get very, very murky. So it is interesting. Even we saw that with Anthony Seabold had a fantastic year in his first year at the Rabbitohs. And uh, obviously the wheels fell off post that as well. So people want to talk about an unproven coach or a rookie coach. You can even have a, I'll call it preliminarily proven coach. Yeah, yeah. And it can still, it 
you still don't know if you've got the right man probably until two or three years down the track. So that's probably where we'll end up with Todd Payton. But yeah, it's it's mind-boggling the way they've fallen off this year, the Cowboys. No, absolutely. The Cowboys and the, the Roosters. Um, I want to go back to the Dragons. So Thursday night, 26 to 12, the Dolphins basically, well, I know they were missing Ben Hunt, the Dragons, but that's basically written off their season in terms of final hopes. Let's catch a bit of the action from Thursday night. Hang on, we'll just hold off there because... That I sums up the Dragons' performance. But we, <laughs> silence. <laughs> we, we, we just played the Dragons' highlights from that game. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I just thought, because, I mean, I know they scored the three tries sort of in six minutes there, the, the Dolphins, but the Dragons just committed a lot of silly dumb football and then Toby Couchman snagged that try before half time and you thought oh how important is that but they were just a bit rudderless weren't they yeah especially in that second half they they couldn't get down the other end I heard our great the great Matty Russell we had on earlier saying you know they needed points I don't think Ben Hunt was necessarily the answer is piling on points but their ability when it became a, a choke fest the the, yeah. the Dolphins just absolutely strangled them out of when management. they kicked it to the corner and just yep. absolutely they the Dragons couldn't build any pressure in response Jaden Sullivan did the bulk of the kicking it was very very tough for a young halfback playing 80 with a team on the back foot for almost you know the entire game barring that first 20 minutes so obviously Jacob Little 73 minutes he ended up playing so look I think uh, it was a disappointing performance but I was looking at those sorts of things and I think that's the type of uh, pain they were going to have to endure because Ryan Carr's brought back Jacob Little. He's been drip-fed action. He was not coming on this year, Jacob Little, and not through no fault of his own. He was just not being utilised well by Anthony Griffin. He looked really gassed by the end of that 73 minutes, but I think he'll be better for that huge amount of time in the middle. Obviously, with Ben Hunt coming um, back in, you would think post-origin, provided he comes through unscathed, will limit uh, Jacob Little's minutes uh, to a degree. However, Ryan Carr decides to, to juggle that, but I think that was necessary to throw him out there and just let him go close to the distance. So I think it was necessary for Jaden Sullivan to be out there in the seven to control the kicking game and be, you know, in charge of the entire sort of game management, which, as we've conceded, was not was not very good. But, I mean, the guy hasn't played a whole lot of 80-minute performances in the halfback jumper as well. I think he'll be better for it and having endured that one as well. So I don't think this game, as much as it was a poor performance was a, an utter loss. I think there's just some things they're going through that are necessary, but are going to be a little bit painful. And it was the type of performance or the type of decision-making there that Anthony Griffin was averse to and also, in his defence, wasn't couldn't afford mm. um, as far as the position he was in there as well. So, yeah, interesting to see how you know it plays out from here. They've got a tough run. They've got a tough, tough they run do coming now. up. That's, yep. So that's what I thought. They've, they've got it in the origin period. So, you know, I, I imagine... For that type of game when they play the Panthers, you know, Ivan Cleary won't be absolutely clamouring to have his contingent, uh, you know, all coming back on deck for that one. And uh, they might come up against another couple of teams that take that approach. But, I mean, it's, it's a tough run coming up. So we, we spoke about that spoon conversation uh, hmm. a little bit earlier. Um, you know, that's got to be in the thinking, you would think, just given the, the tough run they've got coming up. Well, let's recap uh, that action from Thursday night. Inside the 20. Here's Milford, goes flat, lean out, a chance for a Sarko, he'll grab a second one in game number 100. What a night for him, the Centurion. Yeah, it was a big night for him and uh, playing really well as Wayne Bennett's just found a way to, you know, mix and match his recruitment in the way that they have, but just put it all together in 
just such sensational form. And, you know, the way Wayne Bennett's teams manage the game, the way that they've been able to take a mature approach in round one, in contrast to the Dragons, who... And this is the issue. There's a lot of talk around the fan base about, oh, let's let's play the kids in the halves. Uh, obviously, Sloan at fullback, and let's just build it up over time. But you see there on Thursday night that that's the problem. Is that it's not just that they they, they can score points. You know, they know how to put on a big play. Um, they do have that combination together. But it's it's the finesse. It's the game management stuff. And as you said before, so we've got the Panthers uh, next Sunday. They then play the Rabbitohs. They've got the bye in round 16. They've then got the Warriors, the Sharks, and the Raiders before their second bye. So that's not probably um, the true form line, only because Origin will throw some of that out with player selections. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really um, tough month. What, what do you think the Dragons need to do with Ben Hunt now? I mean... Does he just commit and play another year? Um, you know, I know he'd probably want two more years. But if we're talking about a rebuild, and I guess Jason Rolls has got to have his own view, because the thing with Rollsy is that he was forced out by Wayne Bennett in 2008. So it's not, you know, he may well look at doing the same thing with Ben Hunt. Mate, I wrote a column this week, Baz, referring to Brandon Smith and a few of his struggles at the Roosters, uh, coming to grips with being a full-time dummy half again. Now, he was a guy that came through when he was Cameron Smith's logical successor in Melbourne. And that was gonna that was always just gonna be the logical succession. But he was willing for the best best thing for the team, you know, I'm just happy to be playing and winning. Played a utility forwards role. Meanwhile Harry Grant was let go to the Tigers on loan, played a season of regular eighty minute pure dummy half games. Came back by the end of the season they were playing together. He'd usurp Brandon Smith, you know, in that pecking order. He continued playing as that utility forward and here he was at the Roosters at twenty six trying to rebuild himself as a hooker in his preferred position when years ago he was touted as you know one of the best hookers in the game and at his best he is but it just shows how difficult it is to seamlessly jump straight back in to a key position that is something the dragons have to avoid with Jaden sullivan they can't he's already done it for two years mm. they can't have him playing a bench role different role every week for the next three years for the length of ben hunt's deal and then suddenly have him go you're our halfback steer us around yeah so he needs to be playing 80 minutes in the halves regularly, whether it's with Ben Hunt full-time, whether it's with Ben Hunt shifting to Hooker and Amon, moving around, but that is the situation they can't have. They can't have Jaden Sullivan at 25 go, mate, be our halfback, and just have it dumped on him at once, come in in that specialist key role. They have to have him having played regular footy in the halves by the time Ben Hunt does move on. Some big questions for St George Illawarra and Jason Riles if he does take on the job in the next couple of weeks. We're going to head to a break because we're going to come back and talk some local footy.